0: I'm greeting you once again, and uh, we're enjoying our long talks into the scripture, and as you know, I'm into the book of James, and I'm using the um, NIV New International Version because I think just particularly some of the phraseology will be easier to understand. So, We've got James here, and I'm quite intrigued because most people believe that this James was actually the brother of Jesus, and that's why I find what he's saying is a little bit unusual, okay? I'm into chapter three, and it opens by saying, James saying, not many of you should presume to be teachers my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Wow. Hmm. I think this is a very strong word of warning and of encouragement, but it's a warning because the danger is that people do follow Their leaders. Um, This applies in every aspect of life, whether it's in governments or, or whether it's in church or whatever it's in. The tendency is that people will follow leaders. And if people are going to follow leaders, they will only follow if there is a very strong reason why. Their respect and follow. I mean, in politics, of course, you get the, all these divisions, but they are divisions where people will follow someone that they choose. And in the spiritual sense, we've got to be very careful because of where we might lead people. I can remember many, many years ago when... Um, I was working together with an American evangelist called Lester Sumrall. uh He's American and he was one of the few who actually would travel behind the Iron Curtain with me. But we spent a lot of time talking. He'd spent um, considerable time in England, particularly at the time of the war. He was older than me, of course. And Um, He had spent time with Smith Wigglesworth, who really was uh, one of the most famous um, evangelists of his generation. He was only a businessman, only a working man. uh, By trade, he he was a plumber. (laughs) Um, I didn't know him. He'd uh, died shortly before I moved to the area, but I did know his son and particularly his grandson. But it's not Smith Wigglesworth I'm commenting on. It's actually um, Lester Sumrall, because he said something which concerns me and concerned him. He said that, unfortunately, with his experience, and this was particularly in America, that many of the spiritual leaders, the preachers, the leaders in the end of their lives drifted away from the truth. Now this didn't apply with everyone. I mean Billy Graham never changed from the beginning to the end. He was consistent through and so with my father. But I do know that some leaders did tend to get wrong teachings at the end and people would follow them. Now, this is a very strong warning to those who want to be in leadership, that you must realize that in God's sight, you will receive a stronger, stricter judgment because what you are saying and doing doesn't only influence you, but will influence others who might follow you. Therefore, you have a much greater responsibility. And he goes on to say in the next verse, we all stumble in many ways. Not one of us is perfect because he says, if anyone says they or thinks they are perfect, um then <laughs> we all fail not one of us is perfect and uh he really puts it like this if you are able to control yourself then that is much more important for leaders to control themselves in verse 3 he then puts it in a slightly different way, saying the same thing. He says we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them a bear's. And with that bit in the mouth, and it's quite interesting because that's the only way you can control the horse, really, is by pulling on that uh, bit, that steel thing in its mouth. And in doing so, we make the horse to obey us and turn. And then he uses another illustration. It's quite interesting that he uses this illustration in verse 4 of ships. Because, of course, in those days they were large, heavy, wooden, sailing ships, not like our modern ships. And he said that although the ship can be so big, and driven by a wind so strong, the whole ship is turned by that tiny rudder. And it's very interesting because, um, as you probably know, I'm a sailor. Um, I've been sailing most of my life, racing and so on. And there used to be two, or well, there still is, two different ways of steering a ship. Because in the early days, it was turned by what we call a tiller, which is a piece of wood. And small boats today, if I sail as I have done in small little dinghies, you turn it the same with that piece of wood. But on the bigger ships and on bigger ones, powerboats and so on, that I've had, you turn it with a wheel. Now, why am I commenting on this? It's very interesting because when you directed a boat or a ship with that wooden tiller, whichever way you pulled it, the boat went in the opposite direction when you use a wheel it turns in the same direction now it's quite interesting because uh, there is one uh, thought that the famous big steamer the titanic that um, on this maiden voyage um, was destroyed and sunk with the loss of thousands of of hundreds of people now I'm led to understand that until that time, those big ships were turned by this tiller, this wood, which meant that it turned in the opposite direction. If you pulled that to the right, your ship went to the left. But the Titanic was one of the first to introduce the wheel, which meant that it turned the way you turned the wheel. Someone has suggested that the reason that the ship didn't avoid the iceberg which sank it was because the helmsman steering misunderstood in the emergency and turned the steering the wrong way turning a wheel, thinking that the ship would go in the opposite direction. Now, I find that this is extremely interesting from the spiritual sense, that the danger is that we have to be so careful the direction that we choose. Um... And it is so easy to make the mistake. And if we listen to the wrong voices, and if we are not responding to God, we will turn without necessarily realizing it in the wrong direction. You see, what he's saying is this the tongue is a small part of the body but the tongue controls so much of who and what we are and it is so easy to use the tongue in the wrong direction he also goes on to use another illustration and that is that um Great forests and forest fires are so often started not by something big, but by something small. In fact, uh, even in England, and this does apply in other countries, you know, in this last year we've had some terrible fires, forest fires, that have destroyed vast areas. But I do know in England that so many of those fires were not started deliberately, not started by some big power, but something small like a barbecue, and literally a barbecue left without being extinguished, but left could just one small thing, set a whole forest fire. So here, James is using something slightly different in his illustration. First of all, he's saying that with the tongue, we can be turned in direction and Influence others who are following us, but also that if we misuse the tongue, it can cause a fire, it can cause destruction, can cause so much damage. in verse six he says, "The tongue is a fire, a world of evil." among the parts of the body the tongue can corrupt the whole person and set the whole course of his life on fire and then of course he goes on to say and this is the danger that even the tongue can be set on fire by hell now these are strong words coming from someone who lived so close to jesus and wasn't necessarily in the first part of the ministry. We are not quite certain exactly when James was to become such an active part. But why I think this is important and this chapter and this whole book is important because you're dealing with somebody who understood the person of who jesus was and who the followers were in one sense growing up with jesus remember jesus didn't start his ministry till he was 30. i just sense that james must have had a much stronger realization of the character of jesus right from his birth and you know it is so important that what we say is important. I mean, the Bible says that yeah, the Bible actually says that everything we say is recorded, and we should be judged on it and While you might think that that's an impossibility, but what we're finding now just in the in in in, in the Uh, scientific side that um, so often the record of what you have said on a phone, it's difficult to get rid of it. You find that it's on the internet, it's in the cloud as they call it, and it is not easy to remove what has been said. And Sadly, I know of cases where even young people have applied for a job and the person who's going to employ them has examined what that young person has said and it's recorded on the internet and if they were negative, they have lost the job. Oh, my this is a big subject, ah, uh, and let me move on, because uh, I want you to realize the importance of the tongue. In verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, and so on are being tamed, and have been tamed by man. Well, a lot of them can be. I mean, uh, I do know that people have tamed Even lions and tigers and gorillas and so on. I've seen evidence of it. But what James is saying is this. Nobody can tame the tongue. Nobody can control what you say. And, you know, the danger is so often that people regret what they've said. but. Um, I understand that when we speak, we create sound and sound waves. And, you know, those sound waves don't disappear. They're actually out there. Uh, It's a, it's a, a, a very big subject with science that sound waves are still there. And we need to realize the importance of what we say. Then, of course, in verse 9, he goes on, With the tongue we praise the Lord, and with it we curse men who be made in God's image. Out of the same person's mouth can come both blessing and cursing. Now, it's true. It's true, because somebody can come up to you and if they want to flatter you, they can speak really nice things or you're wonderful and so on and I like you and so on. And yet, they can turn behind your back and to somebody else say the exact opposite. Do you understand? You see, it's so difficult to control that I mean, this happens it happens all the time, and this is not something small, that what people say to your face is not what they say behind your back <laughs> I mean they, they can be so pleasant to your face. I mean I've had people who um, come up to me and make promises of what they can do this, and, and when they go away, they do the exact opposite. they lie they <sighs> The whole thing is that what James is saying is this all comes down to the tongue. So, yes, with that same tongue, and in verse 10, out of the same mouth can come praise, blessing, and cursing. Brothers, this should never be. We should be consistent. In what we say. And then he goes on, and in verse 11 he sums it up very, very carefully. Can fresh water and dirty water, salt water, come from the same spring? It can't. And he also says, can a fig tree bear half figs and half olives or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring bring fresh water. Now why is he saying that? Because the trouble is that what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Yeah, what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And if you're speaking evil things, it's an indication of something wrong in your heart and wrong in your spirit. Then in verse 13, he continues very strongly by saying, who is wise and understanding? If you think that you're wise and you've got understanding, show it by the life you live by deeds so that it's got to be more than words in your life it's so easy to speak and say this 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 and this but it's not so easy to do it we have a saying in england um i don't know how this will translate it is it's easy to talk the talk but not so easy to walk the walk If you talk it, live it. Don't talk something and live differently. Now, that comes basically from the scripture. Because he says, um, he who's wise and understanding, show what you mean by what you say and what you do. And don't let your actions contradict your words or your words. Contradict your actions. And he says in verse 14 if you harbor bitter enemy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven. And you have to understand the difference between what comes from heaven and what is earthly, unspiritual and comes from the devil. Mm. For in verse 16, where you have envy and selfish ambitions, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But in verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, and peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you understand that what we sow, we will also reap? I mean, this is a quotation from the Lord himself that what we sow, we reap. If you sow discord, then you'll suffer the results. But if you sow peace and love and kindness, then you receive the reward of that. So coming back to the beginning of this, and I really do feel that only James, the brother of Jesus, could write so strongly, so clearly, what he's done here, that be careful of your tongue, because what you say will echo what's actually in your heart. And then we come into judgment. We need to pray, and Speaking to those who are in leadership, remember the responsibility. James begins with the responsibility that if you are a leader and a teacher, then you have responsibility not for yourself. As an individual person, your responsibility before God is for your own life. But if you're a leader and a teacher, your responsibility before God is for others. Now, that's a big responsibility, and we need to realise the danger. Let's keep our hearts pure, our minds right, and let's not let the devil get in, but let's serve God and speak faithfully, and don't let cursing or uh, wrong things come out of your mouth, but speak only good things. God bless you. I think you need to pray over this particular chapter. God bless you.
1: My God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. When you are committed to and support the Gospel, then stand on this promise that when you give to the extension of the Kingdom, God will supply all your need. Jesus called it, giving and receiving. This year God has given us wonderful opportunities to preach the Gospel in Armenia, Georgia, and Poland. And we continue to support Ukraine by distributing humanitarian and spiritual aid. For 12 months, our staff have helped the displaced, vulnerable, and injured, supplying food and medicines. To make a donation, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. Strength for now and for eternity. David will guide you through the Apostle Paul's letters to the Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. David has written this book to strengthen your faith at a time when everything around us is being shaken. Join David as he delves deep into the truths of the Bible. Order David's book, A Firm Foundation, by visiting our website eurovision.org.uk forward slash shop. We would like to give you a free gift. David Hathaway's Prophetic Vision magazine is available free of charge. All you need to do is ask for it. This faith-building resource will show you the path to revival in your life and ministry. To receive this free magazine, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash magazine.